You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. I am in downtown Oklahoma City today to talk about some awesome charity work that my guest has been doing. Amy Marjorie is on the podcast. Amy is an attorney. Um, and like we were just talking earlier, every time I speak to an attorney, I think of, you know, the Suits series and Harvey <laughs> Specter and Meghan Markle and all those awesome actors that make being an attorney glamorous, all right? I assume, in New York anyway. Um, not the same in Oklahoma City? It's totally as glamorous <laughs> in Oklahoma City. <laughs> That's such a shame. I have so many friends. I, the bar is coming up soon, right? It's like next... It is, yeah. I think it's next week or the yeah, week after. Which maybe by the time this goes out, people hopefully would have passed. Uh, I have some friends taking it, um, you know, and, and it's it seems like just... I mean, it seems hot. I'm a terrible test taker. So it just, it would be the worst thing for me. It's a mess of an exam yeah. to take. I mean, it's mostly an endurance. It's like survivor of the legal minds. There's no purpose to it other than that, to see if you can survive two days of answering questions. It's, I didn't even know it was two days. Yeah, it's two days long. The first day is all uh, multiple choice, and the next day is all essay or vice versa. Yeah. And it's just eight hours each day. Ugh. It's oh, it's so pretty terrible. rough. It's like a physical. You don't even realize how painful it can be to sit there for that long. Yeah. No wonder, like after it, everybody goes out and just has a great release and has a really good time, right? Yeah. They oh just yeah. Totally deserve it. May have had a few drinks and yeah. gotten a massage. It was lovely. Yeah. So we obviously passed because you're here today. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, those six weeks of waiting afterwards are pretty painful, but it's worth it once you get that yeah. that passage. Yeah. So why why become a lawyer from day one? Well, I actually had zero desire ever to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, I've always had a heart for poverty issues, um, but I didn't really know how to live that out. I went to college in California, and I started as an engineering major because um, I was really good at math and thought that would you know, be a sustainable career. But the school I went to had a really terrible math program. And so by the end of my first year, I was like, I'm just going to switch to something that I think is super interesting to study and not think about my career yeah. <laughs> for better or worse. So I became a theology major because I think that world religions is just fascinating. I feel like everything in our world stems from mm -hmm. religion, you know, war, politics, international relations, like it's all, it, it can all in some way go back to religion. So I really enjoyed studying that, but then I got out of college and was like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> what do you do with that degree? You either teach or you work for a church. Yeah. I don't really want to do either of those. Um, so I moved from California to Oklahoma, sort of on a whim. Mm -hmm. I decided I didn't know what I wanted to study if I got a master's. So I'm going to go someplace I've never been for a year of my life and then move back home and figure it out. Yeah. Just get some experience as an adult. So I closed my eyes and pointed at a map and it landed on Oklahoma. <laughs> right in the middle yeah. and see what happens. Yeah, I know all of my friends and family, they were like, it landed on Oklahoma and you didn't just like, you know, slide your finger to Chicago or something. <laughs> slide down to Dallas or anywhere, yeah. yeah. Anywhere else. Um, so yeah, I packed up, moved out here. I worked as a waitress for about eight months mm -hmm. at what used to be the Applebee's on Memorial. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up getting a job as a youth minister of a church. And um, I really loved doing that. 
but it was still not my calling. It was just a job to be able to use my degree and no longer be a waitress. And from there, I ended up getting a campus ministry and teaching job at Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School, which I also loved and was there for several years. Um, But I started teaching a class to seniors about vocations and our purpose in life. And I started to explain that when you hear or feel passionate about something, that is God speaking to us in a way Mm -hmm. about what our purpose is. And then I also started to feel like a hypocrite because I didn't have any voice telling me I was passionate about teaching. (laughs) It was just a job I was qualified to do. Um, So I started asking questions and the assistant principal there was one of my good buddies and she's still there now. I went to her office and was like, I want to do something related to poverty issues. I'm thinking about getting a master's in social work. And she was like, no, you're going to be a lawyer. I was like, yeah, no, that's not on the list. And she was like, no, I knew the day you walked in here, you were going to become a lawyer. And I was like, sensei, please tell me more about my future. (laughs) Um, And uh, she was so behind me doing this. She saw something in me that I didn't see in myself that she actually paid for me to take the LSAT. She paid for my application fee, like out of her own pocket even when I was still a little bit hesitant, you know, you go from having a salary and being about 30 years old to Uh thinking about no salary and going back to school for three years. It's just kind of a scary transition. Um, So without her support, I wouldn't have even really looked into it. And then the first time I sat in a classroom, I just went and visited and sat in a classroom. I felt like this is where I belong. So then my direction turned into going to law school and then being able to do legal advocacy for the homeless. Um, I was considering opening a nonprofit after I got out of law school, but as my experience continued and I learned more about the legal world, learned more about our Oklahoma community and all of the existing nonprofits that we have that are so amazing, I realized that the problem isn't we don't have enough nonprofits. The problem is the existing nonprofits don't have enough support and resources. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't want to just do something for the sake of doing something. I wanted to actually find a way to fit into the community that benefited the community instead of just saying I did something in name. Um, So I started to talk to people that owned the various nonprofits, see what the needs were in the community and and get involved in that way. Um, Mostly the Homeless Alliance and City Rescue Mission. Um, and then in the legal world, legal aid and Trinity Legal Services, sort of asking them what was needed, what are the top needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Homeless Alliance stated the director there, Dan Strawn, he's a wonderful man. I encourage you to have him on here. He's He knows far more than anyone in this state about yeah. homelessness um, and all the statistics and everything. Um, I asked him, what what are the top three needs? And he said, um, affordable housing, low to zero cost housing, um, mental health needs, and like drug rehabilitation needs. So um, I kind of just kept that in the back of my mind as I continued figuring out how I would fit into things. Mm I don't know where you, I can keep talking if you want me yeah, to. Yeah, like, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm still, like, fascinated about the fact that you just moved to Oklahoma. Do you know anybody here when you came here? Um, so, 
my I had a friend uh-huh. that moved out to Guthrie not long after I moved out here to work at the Lazy E Ranch. Yeah. And so I at least had someone out here that I got to see like once a month or we sure. got together for Thanksgiving. But then otherwise I just made friends. Yeah. Um, this is a fun, random anecdote, not related to homelessness, but one of my only friends that I made when I first got here, the only other person that had a college degree at Applebee's when I worked there, she had just moved here from uh, Indiana mm-hmm. and her boyfriend had gotten, ha- had been drafted to the Thunder. This nice. was like a couple years after they had, or maybe a year after they had just been recruited to Oklahoma. Yeah. So my first year in Oklahoma, I got to spend a lot of time with the new Thunder team at their house, watching them get their haircuts. I baked pies for them. Russell Westbrook paid me $40 to bake his dad an apple pie because I, <laughs> I make really good apple pies. Okay. Um, yeah, grandma's recipe. And um, went to a bunch of the games, got to hang out in like the family suite. It's like the only claim to fame I have at all. <laughs> Which in Oklahoma Played cards like, with Jeff Green. Yeah, it's like the royal mm. family in Oklahoma. Right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, that was just for the that that first year of my life here. After that, it was yeah. Are you guys <laughs> still friends? Yeah, she ended up moving back to Indiana. We just maintained yeah. contact over Facebook, but yeah. so not like we're more acquaintances now. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, being good at math, I'm terrible at math. Um, also, I don't enjoy it, so which also makes me bad at it because just don't <laughs> want to put any effort into it. Uh, it's going from engineering to theology, and then I guess chasing like. Um, you know, like a passion, right? You have a passion for theology, so I'll do that. And then come out of college and then go from beautiful, sunny California to, which Oklahoma obviously is rich with theology majors and schools, classes. You know, you could walk down any street and strike up a conversation with most people and they could talk you off about theology. Or religion, Absolutely. Right? Regardless of what faith they are, they would happily have a conversation with you. <laughs> yes. Um, Amongst a few other Most topics as well. Most people are open to it, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bishop McGinnis must have been a cool experience. Right? It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I'm biased because I was there for five years, but I love that school. I love everything they stand yeah. for. I love their curriculum. I had so much fun with the students. Mm-hmm. Um, while I was there, I directed the Peru mission trip and got to go to Peru five times with a whole bunch of teenagers. Traveling internationally with teenagers is a yeah. total quote-unquote blast interpret that as you will yeah it's, <laughs> um, it's chaos but definitely also a, a really learning experience <laughs> um but it was yeah i loved being at that school yeah. it was just not what i was supposed to do long term yeah and just i mean having you know someone come to you and say no no you're going to be a lawyer and like wait uh-huh. what? <laughs> hang on a second you know because some lawyers are like it's in the family it's kind of what we were going to do growing up whatever it's it's just kind of written on the wall and the way that you've got to it is, you know, truly by, you know, meeting the right people, mm-hmm. meeting someone that just says, I th- I see this in you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm yeah. going to pay for you to go do this. And I think you'll be really good at it. Right? I think it speaks to the value of speaking up in your friends and family's life. Yeah. Like if you see some something that's a strong trait in someone you know, tell them about it. Mm-hmm. I um, I started a social justice class at McGinnis before I left. It's a summer course for seniors there. And uh, it's still running now. In fact, the assistant principal that pushed me in this direction for with law mm-hmm. now teaches it. Um, and so she actually had me go talk to her class a couple of weeks ago. And one of the students asked me I was talking I was explaining my story and you know God's purpose and all of that jazz 
And uh, one of the seniors asked, well, how do you know what your purpose is? It's like, that's such a hard question to answer because it's different for everyone and it's revealed to everyone in different ways. And so for me, it was revealed through someone else. Mm -hmm. And so it's just sort of listening in your life with those open ears and being attuned to your feelings. Yeah, you can't like go, when people say I'm going to go search for it, you know, like it's very often do they, they don't really like find it when they go looking for it, right? It's something that like you may meet the right person and it just happens. It's Mm -hmm. like a light bulb moment that just, you may be doing something completely different to what you think is for your purpose and you'll see it. Mm -hmm. We had recently had a guest on, uh, Dr. George Henderson, who spoke about how he found his purpose. Um, and he said he was speaking to, um, it was speaking to Martin Luther King at the time. A fascinating story for everyone listening. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. Amazing. But Dr. George Henderson was working with Martin Luther King at the time. And he basically kept saying to him, he kept showing up late to all their meetings. Martin Luther King would show up late all the time. And when he'd come up late, and I mean like five, ten minutes, he wouldn't like be always late. But he said that he would always make fuss with the kids and play and have a good time and make sure the kids knew he was there and just hang out and engage. And Dr. George said to him, like, why do you play with the kids all the time? Like, like, this is far more important stuff that we're here to talk about. And he's like, I'm doing everything. We're doing everything for those kids. Mm. And that was his light bulb moment. And it's just something so simple that, oh, I now my purpose is to work for the next generation. Yeah. In the ideal, you know, in the, in the avenues that he was working. And that, that just reminded me of what, you know, because... I, I think if you asked, if you went down the street and you asked 10 people, you know, what is your purpose in life? I mean, maybe, maybe one person would tell you, I, I, 100%, I know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Right? I think so, too. I think yeah. very few people actually know. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of sad. It's hard. It's yeah. a hard question. So a lot of times people will ignore it. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> you know, you get into a job that you might, might be good at, and even mm-hmm. if you don't enjoy it, you just keep doing it forever. And I think that that's a shame. I yeah. think people do have a purpose and you should spend time finding the thing that right. makes you excited. Yeah. So you pass the bar. I pass the bar. Um, jumping around, super excited. You know, congrats. <laughs> like, I can't imagine what that was like getting that letter or getting an email. How, was it a letter or an email? Uh, they posted on a website. It was actually really funny. So I'm oh, an really? attorney here at Crow and Dunlovey and yeah. they had us start uh, our work a few weeks before it posted and we do an annual associate retreat where mm-hmm. we go away for a couple of days, the entire associate group, and we do various development things sure. and activities as well as just hanging out and enjoying each other's company. And we got our results that weekend. So it was a group of four of us that had started that year waiting on our results. And we were all joking, like, do we go in the big van that they rented? Should we drive our own cars? So if we fail, we can just slowly back out the door and leave. (laughs) Like we have to be prepared. And it it, all of us passed and they had champagne for us and it was really lovely. But yeah, yeah, it was, it was stressful to not only get get the results there, but get it in a work environment <laughs> yeah yeah you, you don't want to be that one person that doesn't get in no i mean then nobody wants to not get it no because right? just oh, it just kind of ruins the whole trip yeah so you get it you get you know you're obviously working here already um when does like the the mission side of things come in then is that work that this law firm does so that just naturally tied in and that's why you wanted to work here Yeah, a huge part of why I wanted to work here is that the attorneys here that have been here forever have sort of the common direction that they provide to associates that 
it's important to bill, you know, we are a business, yeah. but we also have an extra responsibility and power as attorneys that if we're not using it to help the community, then we're not doing it right. Right. So knowing that that's a philosophy here, I wanted to be in this firm. Mm -hmm. And they, the executive committee here knows how much I love our homeless community and that's my yeah. passion and I wanna do a bunch of pro bono work. And so they have been incredibly gracious in essentially providing the firm's resources to that pro bono work. Yeah. Of course, I still do all of the other work as well, but um, I've been able to do so much more work for our homeless community here mm -hmm. than if I were on my own or if yeah. I had started a nonprofit or yeah. or something like that. What, what, what is some of that work? Like, what does that entail? So um, right before starting to work here, so still as a third year law student, I mm -hmm. went to OCU Law and I will give a shout out to them as well. Loved being a student there. Incredible staff, mm -hmm. incredible professors, like... I just had so many opportunities. Um, I was backed with the idea there to start a clinic for uh, our forcible entry and detainer docket at the county courthouse, basically mm -hmm. the eviction docket, because we have a lot of tenants who can't afford representation, sure. don't know what their rights are as tenants, um, and... So they end up not fighting it. They end up not showing up to court because they just don't understand yeah. the process. And then they get evicted and it just turns into a cycle. And eviction is a huge leading cause for family homelessness. Okay. Um, and Oklahoma has a big problem with youth homelessness. And so that's the eviction process is a big part of that. So trying to tackle the causes of homelessness rather than just the you know once they're out we'll take care of you kind of thing right trying to prevent it from the beginning yeah. we were looking at evictions and so the law school supported me trying to start a clinic through the law school which they now have and a part of that was crow and dunlevy also supported it because we needed to show community support how were we were going to get attorneys to be involved so crow committed to provide sure. volunteer pro bono attorneys for that docket um and so that was a huge part of the relationship. I also had a huge relationship with one of our attorneys here, Will Hoke. Mm -hmm. He has been a very active member of the bar and the Oklahoma community in fighting homelessness. And so he has been a part of many pushes throughout the last couple of decades to try to improve access to justice mm -hmm. for low income and homeless families. So he and I sort of banded together and uh, along with the American Bar Association's Commission to End Homelessness and Poverty um, and the, I think it's the Oklahoma Bar's Access to Justice Commission. It was started by, uh, I think, Justice Combs mm -hmm. in our Oklahoma Supreme Court. Um, we all sort of banded together and connected with the various other nonprofits and resources to discuss how to best provide legal services to the homeless population. And from there, that's turned into, we're working on developing Oklahoma City's first homeless court. It was actually uh, slated to start in April, but we had to postpone it because of COVID. Yeah, thank you so much. Right? Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're trying to get creative right now to yeah. see uh, working with other national already established homeless courts mm -hmm. how they've handled the transition because they've a lot of them have gone to virtual court sure. which is totally possible except for it's harder when you haven't started it yet yeah. to start virtual so we're we're trying to figure out so we don't have to continue to postpone it mm -hmm. um, how we can get that 
to happen. But again, that's another example of something that I've been able to do yeah. because of the resources of Crow and Dunlevy and the contacts here. Um, and then personally, I'm involved with Hot Dogs for the Homeless. Yeah. I help I help run this nonprofit organization um, every Sunday. And I actually got involved with that organization when I was a youth minister mm-hmm. back 12 11 or 12 years ago. Came, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would bring my youth group there to volunteer every couple of months. Um, and then when I went to Bishop McGinnis, I also coordinated their service hour program. And so I'd encourage students to go there sure. for service hours or I'd bring students there. Um, and so I was regularly attending. Then when I left and went to law school, I started going mm-hmm. maybe once a month, my first couple of years. And then in the last year, I started going almost weekly and the man that ran the Sunday morning volunteer operations about three years ago had a stroke and died very suddenly and the man that owns the organization um, has a business that takes him out of town all the time and so he was like I don't know what to do I need someone reliable that can be here every Sunday and I was like well I'm here almost every Sunday anyway I live like a mile away give me a key I'll take care of it and so that's turned into, yeah. I still to this day do that every Sunday and run the, the volunteer operations. Um, and so since then we've, my type A lawyer personality has changed a few things about our procedures and we have yeah. a Facebook page and um, various other things that we do there now. Yeah. And I just absolutely love it. So, so it's its own building and you serve hot dogs out of this building. Well, not exactly. Okay. So um, a little bit of the backstory of Hot Dogs for the Homeless. It started 18 years ago by the man that still owns it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had been traveling out of town and saw a homeless man. And the only food around was a hot dog. And so he got a hot dog for this guy, came back to give it to him, and he was gone. Yeah. And so he was like, well, I have this food. What do I do? And so he spent about an hour wandering around the town he was in trying to find a homeless person, ended up finding someone, having an incredible conversation. And he was just moved by this. Yeah. So when he came back home to Oklahoma City, he decided he had to do something. So he just started making a dozen lunches out of his own house every week. Um, the neighbors caught on, started sending him donations. It it slowly grew to what it is now where we do 200 lunches a week. Um, and we do it out of a spot in the shopping center at May and Hefner next door to old school bagel cafe. And the owner of that shopping center gives us a four lease space for free, um, which is amazing. So 100% of the money that we get coming into the organization goes towards feeding and caring for the homeless. Um, so we do 200 lunches a week. We have volunteers help us put that together. And then we drive from that location downtown to behind the shell station at Reno and Classen, Mm -hmm. which is also just South of city rescue mission and people congregate there and we hand it out to them down there. And of course, a few things have changed with COVID. Um, but we are still providing lunches to that population every Sunday, um, just in a slightly different way. Uh, and we have a few less volunteers than we did before. We, we, we would have up to between 40 to 60 volunteers a weekend helping us. Um, and now we have three or four, which is actually fine, you know, for safety purposes. Um, so It's been an amazing organization to be a part of because it's very grassroots. You know, I love so many of our city's nonprofits. Food Bank does so much for our entire Mm -hmm. state. And 
man, again, my type A personality really loves their organization and yeah. sign up process. And oh, I love, I love volunteering at the food bank. It's so reliable. Um, but the downfall is that you don't necessarily see what happens to the food you put together there. Sure. Whereas at Hot Dogs for the Homeless, it's a much smaller scale organization, but you see the whole process start to finish. You yeah. put together the food and then you go and actually meet the person that you're feeding. And our philosophy is really that, I mean, what is one hot dog lunch gonna do to change right. someone's life? Not a whole lot. You know, okay, one meal is helpful, but it's not gonna stop them from being homeless. It's not gonna solve their long-term hunger. Right. It's really about developing relationships. It's about acknowledging them as human beings of worthy of yeah. contact, communication, and being provided food. Uh, we provide more than food too. We do clothing. Mm -hmm. um, we work on bikes. Sometimes we'll fill up gas if we find out that someone has recently gotten a car, is living out of their car, or has recently gotten a job and is trying to get to and from their job. So to try to encourage them to do that. Um, we've paid for dental work. We've paid for prescriptions and bus tickets. And I mean, yeah, you name all sort of things that people need that they bring to us. And we try to fulfill it within reason if it's something that we can within our budget. Yeah. Um, Pretty impactful. It's amazing. And personally as well, like you have that interaction and it, you know, and I think anybody that's listening that's ever given time or given something to somebody in need, you actually get more satisfaction from that as well. Oh, so it works yeah. both ways. It does work both ways. It's very fulfilling, which obviously isn't why you sure. should do it, but it, I mean, it, it continues to to refill that energy so you can keep doing it yeah. week after week. Two of my favorite stories that have come from Hot Dogs for the Homeless are, we have two men, um, Robert and Marcus, and they are formerly homeless individuals that were provided services by us who are now no longer homeless. They're both in housing um, and having sustainable lives, but they still come back every weekend yeah. to join us in serving the community. And that that is my favorite because that is what it's really all about, you know, just to see that full picture mm -hmm. um, of no longer needing services, but someone having the heart to understand that it's all about continuing to give. Like yeah. we all have to help each other. Just giving back. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that helps a lot. Right. Cause they, and it, it proves to the, to those who are in need that, Hey, like there's hope here. Like this can happen. Like this could be you soon. Just keep your head down, keep working at it. Yeah. You know, don't give up kind of thing. Cause that, 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 and you know, I don't personally know anybody that's homeless, but just from having, you know, a bit of a whereabouts, like, it just seems like a downhill spiral pretty quick if, if you know you get a few bad things go wrong and then like I said you get kicked out of your house or whatever because there's not enough represent can't you say representation there um, and then you know like you said it's I mean if I got kicked out of my house I don't know where I would go yeah right like it just you know the, where do you go yeah it's very humbling when you hear each of their stories yeah. which you know, I'm not going to say that there isn't some often a theme of mental health issues mm -hmm. or drug or alcohol abuse. Sure. Yeah. But when you hear their stories that are really unique individual stories, any one of us is one crisis away from being homeless. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, it, it could be a divorce. It could be a death in the family. It could be a loss of a job that ends up spiraling someone into homelessness because they don't have support. They don't have structure. They don't have backup resources. It could be any one of us. Um, and that's an incredibly humbling thought. You know, if I ended up having to be homeless tomorrow, what would I do? Who could I turn to? Yeah, it's... I've... I don't know. Yeah, I can't imagine to think who I would turn to or try to turn to, right? And then there's also a sense of, like, Oklahomans are very humble people, right? Like, we don't... I think naturally don't like asking for things, even though we need them. Mm-hmm. So there's that you've got to try and deal with as well. And someone may be hurting or maybe struggling, and but they're not going to say anything. They're not going to tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you know, these charities, what you do is there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, you know, to prevent going to this stage what kind of needs do you guys have like as far as people listening that or just you know obviously you said volunteers right now with covid you still need volunteers and there's ways to go about you know doing it correctly right with social distancing and all that stuff um but i assume volunteers is a big need right now it's a small need that we have right now just because we're doing a smaller amount of services than we've done previously due Mm -hmm. to covid um we have we are allowing a maximum of 20 volunteers right now we've only had about three to five coming so there's room for volunteers if you want to come on out um we have a facebook page hot dogs for the homeless and our website hotdogsforthehomeless.com where you can find out the specifics on where and when Mm -hmm. and how long all of those details um, for volunteering requirements, we have a waiver that that the volunteer needs to sign when they come in. We require wearing masks, and we take uh, each volunteer's temperature at the door before they can come in. And then everyone wears gloves for the food handling portion. Um, but other than that, yeah, we need more than just volunteers. We're Right now, we're conducting our annual fundraiser. Normally, it's held in the spring, and again, that was... postponed um, because our fundraiser is a raffle for a trip to Hawaii and all expense paid flight hotel trip to Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. So we postponed it and we're starting to run low on funds for our organization. It doesn't take a whole lot to operate week to week. Yeah. It it costs about two to three hundred dollars a week to feed 200 people. It's not a whole lot. But we haven't been able to do our fundraiser, which covers about two thirds of our annual expense Mm -hmm. when we do it. Um, So if you can't get out of your house to volunteer and you have a little bit of extra cash hanging around, if you could go to our website, hotdogsforthehomeless.com and buy a ticket for this raffle to Hawaii, they're $25 a piece. Um, Whether or not you get to take the trip next year, 100% of that money goes straight towards feeding the homeless. So you will be making a direct impact. No one gets a salary. We don't buy extra stuff. It 100% goes towards taking care of the homeless. Um, And even if you don't want to buy a raffle ticket, if you'd like to donate, we'll take monetary donations. Um, We also try to, if you actually want to do something physical, but not come out and volunteer on those Sundays, we try to have all of our bags that Mm -hmm. we put the lunches in decorated. So I'm not very artistic. Sometimes I'll do, you know, polka dots or smiley faces or whatever. So you don't have to be super artistic to do it. But it's just a little extra personal touch for each person to get their own unique decorated bag. 
during the school year or when we have school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, um, hopefully kids, everyone, every parent's praying that kids go back to school. <laughs> yeah, no <soon>. kidding. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, hopefully we'll have school again. But when we do have school, we have a bunch of elementary school s- students um, at various schools. Their teachers will get, you know, big bags of, mm-hmm. of our sacks that we use for the lunch and have yeah. their students decorate them. Um, we newly have an organization called Wings, which is a day camp for special needs individuals, and they're decorating bags for us as That's well. In Edmund, right? It is in Edmond, yeah. I, I just learned there. about them. You did? Yeah, yeah they host they awesome. host weddings and all sorts of events. Yeah, it was really good. It's gorgeous out mm-hmm. there. I just love everything about their program. I just yeah. learned about it a couple weeks ago. Um, but we we're, we're running low on bags because we don't have sure. as many children coming to volunteer or elementary students helping Mm -hmm. decorate bags so you could always pick up a stack of bags from us and decorate them at home and drop them back off or i can come pick them up you just contact us on the facebook page if you're interested in decorating bags Mm -hmm. that's a really good way to do it yeah Um, we also need help rolling condiment packages so the mustard and the ketchup and the napkins that we put together for each of the bags and that's something that can be put together at home too you can just pick up the supplies from us as Mm -hmm. well yeah is there a way that like i guess people can fundraise for you right can they do like their own kind of fundraiser for you is that possible oh yeah i'm not gonna ask questions about where it comes from yeah yeah Yeah, if you want to do your own fundraiser i mean you could do um i know a bunch of people do the facebook fundraisers for their birthdays uh gofundme pages whatever you'd like to do if you want if you need any tax exempt information or anything like that from us yeah reach out to us on the facebook page or via the email on our website and we're happy to work with you in doing that awesome well for everyone listening i'll post all those links down below so you can stop listening to me waffle on about random stuff that you don't want to talk (laughs) listen about and go to the important stuff which the link would be directly in the description of this podcast uh amy I mean, the stuff that you do is awesome. I think the stuff that most, you know, the the, the company that you guys work for, like to just let you and be, it, I say this all the time, it seems like just an Oklahoma thing, right? They just want to help out. Because mm-hmm. right? a lot of businesses, you know, they they just want to make money and they don't really care. But this, there's a lot of people that care. Yes. Um, and to do pro bono work, like it's not easy work, I'm sure, right? I'm sure it takes a lot of your time. Being a lawyer isn't easy. Um, so awesome work for that. That's, that's, that's really really cool and i love the fact that it's something that you were just involved with as soon as you got here yes right like it's not something this oh i just work for this firm now and this is our charity like you've been with this charity for like said 12 years long time (laughs) it's a long time and you've you've had such an impact over it um you know to just getting involved with you know through the church and now and then through bishop mcginnis and bringing the kids here and just raising awareness for it and now you know like i said you have a key to the door yeah so (laughs) that's awesome Uh, i mean congrats on that and i Thank don't doubt you. that it's going in the right direction and, and going to grow as well so for everyone listening i post all the links down below and yeah thank you amy so much for your time we'll uh we'll catch you guys next week or next week oh we say next week it's next episode because i post like three episodes a week anyway <laughs> uh hit the links down below thanks thank so much thank you thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.